1: 213- The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wyacke is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wyacke's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wyacke, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. <music>
2: Welcome to the Science of Magic, a place where science and magic come together to transform fact into evolving truth. We're proudly coming to you through the ever-expanding Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, and can also be found on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. I'm your host, Goulda This hour we'll be exploring by design. The physical body is made of nature and therefore holds nature's design and ability to renew itself. Every part of the body is in constant communication with every other part, as well as with our environment. It is the go-between from the physical world to the spiritual one. Mostly, we ignore the body's messages. In so doing, we ignore information from the physical and spiritual world around us. When we pay attention to these messages, it not only keeps it safe, it can greatly enrich our creativity and quality of life. Most of us are not present with or in our bodies. Somewhere along the line, we lost the true form of embodiment. I learned early in my childhood that my body was often not a safe place to be. I became a master of disassociation. It probably was what enhanced my shamanic ability, but as a default setting, it became very detrimental. I was a skinny child. I didn't eat well as I was unaware I was hungry. I tended to be dehydrated, as I didn't experience thirst, although I lived in a desert environment. I grew up in a third-world country, and the nurses would marvel that I never cried or even flinched when they gave me the required barrage of shots. I didn't understand what the big deal was. I'd see the needle heading my way, and I'd simply detach from my body. While this default setting came in handy, over time, it became very damaging. My body and I were strangers. There was no way for it to tell me when it was in distress, and my health suffered as a result. While many attempt to leave the body in order to find spirituality, my path to health and enlightenment was in learning to inhabit and listen to my body. During our busy, often stressful lives, there's one thing we seem to have forgotten. We're actually designed to be healthy. If we're not feeling the best, it's a message that we've stepped out of our true design and the deviation is taking its toll. The longer we ignore these messages, the deeper the illness or imbalance takes up residence in our bodies. In order to receive these messages, we must be present in our bodies. When we're not physically present, there's no one seeing to housekeeping. The cellular structure of the body becomes a waste dump for unprocessed emotions and belief systems. Emotions and beliefs have a frequency a frequency that tells a story. If the story locked in ourselves is not one we wish to live, we're destined to create an imbalanced life that we will not enjoy. Many of us have unwittingly become attached to our old stories and define ourselves by them. After all, they're familiar and predictable. We end up living in the stored programming of our past rather than creating our future. Anything that doesn't move becomes imbalanced and toxic, like a stagnant pond. Unprocessed thoughts, beliefs, and emotions still trapped in the body are the root of many physical illnesses. Through body awareness and spiritual connection, we can access and release the outmoded stories that may otherwise cripple our lives, compromise our health, and stifle our creativity. By being present with our body, we can set up a cooperative dialogue with it, and together, Heal whatever ails us. This is the secret behind spontaneous remission of terminal disease. This is the secret behind living an enlightened life. Our guest this hour, holistic coach and craniosacral therapist, Janine Weiss, is the author of Alchemy of Self-Healing. Janine specializes in working with highly stressed, overwhelmed women, helping them transform the energy trapped in their body so they can reconnect with their creative power and release pain. A long-time teaching assistant for the Upledger Institute, she's dissected a human cadaver, traveled with a group of therapists to Bali to give cranial treatments to chronically ill children. After this commercial break, I'll introduce Janine, and together we'll explore the process of reactivating our true design. So don't go away. You're listening to The Science of Magic. Prior innovative episodes can always be found on our website, thescienceofmagic.net.
3: Aloha, and I'll see you in Mystical Maui.
1: How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence.
2: Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. I'm your host, Gwilda Weyeka. Our guest this hour is healer, holistic coach, and craniosacral therapist, and the author of The Alchemy of Self-Healing, Janine Weiss. Her website, alchemyofselfhealing.com. Janine, thank you so much for joining us on the Science of Magic.
4: Oh, it's my pleasure.
2: You know, it would appear that many of us suffer from a disconnection between the body and the mind. Why do you think that is? What What do you think starts that?
4: Well, uh, you know, it can be as early. I mean, it's really a really good question. It can be as early as in utero that uh, you get signals that the world is not going to be a safe place to to be. But later in life and really throughout school... Uh, we're taught, you know, don't not to touch yourself, not to self-soothe, not to, in any way, uh, you know, to sort of like buck up and just be strong. And there's a real strength in being vulnerable, uh, and it's just not part of our the fabric of our uh, awareness. We're not taught, you know, to 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 be sweet to our knee when we we fall. It's always oh that darn knee. Bothering me that darn knee always, you know, flaring up. When really it's your sweet, wonderful knee. You only have two of them. You know, you should be nice. <laughs> should be nice to it, right? Mm-hmm. It's a uh, it's a tricky it's a tricky dance between trying to appear strong and honoring, really honoring the messages from your body, which are. Oftentimes, profound, and more profound than anything you could make up in your
2: head. What impact do you think this disconnect that we kind of suffer, particularly in this in this society, what do you, what impact does that have over time on our health?
4: Well, it's 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 incredibly disruptive, isn't it? And uh, we have the option of turning it around, but we're not taught. You know, the men in white coats don't give us the information that we need. They don't have the information. Um, You know, that's why I say in my book about it's great to have experts, but who better than you to be your own expert on how you're feeling in your body. I had someone come to me the other day who has come to me before when she had breast cancer and this time she had an elevated heart rate and they called it some kind of syndrome. Well, between you and me, they call things syndrome. Anytime I hear the word syndrome, I think, oh, good, this is going to be easier than something you know, not titled with a syndrome because all that is there's a constellation of symptoms that they need to call something in order to bill insurance. <laughs> I mean, literally. And so she came to me with a really high heart rate and went in the next day after one treatment, and her rate had dropped into high normal range.
2: So, what points. kind of what kind of treatment did you do?
4: Well, uh, I, I do craniosacral, and I also do shamanic work. But this seemed really straightforward central nervous system. I work on three levels, you know, the physical, the metaphysical, and the metaphorical, and so. The metaphorical would be more the shamanic for me. Uh, But sometimes you just need a hand on. I put one hand behind her heart and invited her to have a conversation with her heart, which might sound really silly, uh, but actually is the crux of what we do in craniosacral therapy, which is giving the body a, a platform, so to speak, to talk about, you know, to be heard.
2: So is, that's a little bit shamanic in, this, in a, a way too, isn't it, that we can actually let the, um, our imagination receive verbalization of what our body's trying to tell us?
4: Well, it is a little shamanic, but, um, you know, don't you think, I mean, I think everything is connected, which is why I really appreciated the shamanic work that I learned because I, I look for things and how they dovetail. Uh, I think that when we look for inclusion rather than exclusion, we're way better off.
2: So, where, where did you train shamanically?
4: Uh, with the Four Winds uh, Society, Alberto zolodo's Society.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm from, I'm familiar with Alberto.
4: Yeah, and uh, I worked with a man uh, named Tomas Boström. And we did a wonderful work up in Ojai on the four winds and uh, the, just do, doing the wheel. And, uh, you know, I, what I'm really into now is the fact that everything is the mandala. Everything is circular. Everything is healing itself as a spiral, which comes from a circular motion. And so I'm looking for inclusion everywhere. And that's why I always recommend nature as a way to, you know, heal uh, and connect with your body. As you were saying earlier, it's really, you know, sometimes people think it's, oh, it's so simple. It can't really, if it's that simple, how powerful can it be? And the answer is really powerful.
2: (laughs) Yeah. How long did you get to train with Alberto? Alberto.
4: Um, it was over a period of two years.
2: He does have a two-year course, doesn't he? He
4: does. Yeah. Yeah, and
2: it's what is it? Uh, how many times? How many times do you meet?
4: Um, how many times do you meet? You know, it's a while ago now, but it's it's it seemed like it was every quarter.
2: Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. And then it's like a what a weekend every quarter, or is it a week?
4: Um, I did the four-day.
2: Right. Right, yeah, right. It's a nice nice amount of time for an intensive.
4: Well, it's really powerful and, again, totally connected back to the visceral craniosacral therapy work that I had done that I adore.
2: Would you mind, um, for those, I, I know what craniosacral therapy is and I really appreciate the power of it. However, it's not commonly known for our listeners. Would you describe a little more about what it is and how it works?
4: Sure. Well, craniosacral therapy is an educated, specific, non-invasive, really key point there, non-invasive therapy that supports your body's innate ability to heal. So everything in your body responds to this craniosacral rhythm. So the rhythm can be felt anywhere on the body, anywhere. Uh, And people can even be taught to feel their own rhythm once they're kind of tuned in and once we get their nervous system calmed. Um, it's like a little river that you, you can feel and tune into putting your hands uh, lightly on your thighs. But basically the, the gist is that life experiences are processed through your body. The things that your soul feels, the thoughts that you have. And so when those experiences are overwhelming, They're held in the body. You said that in the beginning as well. And so, you know, that just becomes stagnant energy that can block you over time, can create dis-ease. And uh, so let's move it on out. That's what I say.
2: Now, the craniosacral rhythm is an actual physical thing, isn't it, where there's a, a pump in the sacrum and this, it, it moves a cerebral spinal fluid up and down the spine, is that correct?
4: Yeah, the fluid uh, flows sort of, there's something called the dural tube, which is like a, uh, you can imagine a plastic plastic tubing encasing the spine and And, in that cl- plastic tubing there's of this liquid which is nutrient rich and oftentimes can get stuck. certainly, if you've had any, anybody has had any kind of spinal injury, oftentimes it will get stuck
2: right uh, or yeah.
4: surgery, but it all is workable uh we We just kind of gently nudge the the rhythm the fluid to uh expand right very gentle and the results are pretty powerful compared to what people would think they would need to do you know uh, more is not necessarily better in this paradigm of healing
2: right so wh- what is cellular knowing
4: um c- cellular knowing is that sort of deep uh, awareness, well, there's there, there, it's twofold. There's a deep awareness of what's going on inside you once you start living a nature-based life and you start relating uh, what your incoming uh, challenges might be to nature. And on the other hand, there's something that's really underneath your awareness, so that's that's the awareness level. But there's also a level where your body is responding to cells uh, just by rote. You're, it just doesn't, you know. And so that's either going to be good or bad. But um, your cells themselves can replicate uh, maybe by mistake. Let's say that's that happens with cancer, where it just gets faulty information and changes. The pattern and just keeps replicating until, other you know otherwise noted. Um, so you can change that. I mean, the good news is you can change the the information that the cell receives, and that's sort of a hierarchy of uh, awareness that's maybe a little dense, you know, because you think, well, how do I know? And it's it's one of those things where you just kind of tune in and feel, and a lot of this is about trusting that your body is a brilliant creation, and that it doesn't. You know, people will think, oh, your body's making a mistake, or or and, and your body is not making a mistake. It's feeding in, feeding off of whatever. You know, it's the same thing with how it runs. Let's 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 make it, make an easier analogy with nutrition, right? Well, you know what you is garbage in, garbage out. Your output is going to be less if you eat Twinkies all day, right?
2: <laughs> so, um, again, the closer we stay to nature in our dealings with our body, the better it can run.
4: Yes, and the better attuned we are to unseen, unseen support, which is everywhere, but is, is deeply discounted, and in our society, we're just not set up, and you need to see it to believe it, you need to feel it and touch it in order to know it's real, and that's really just not true in the larger scheme of things, but again, as your first question to me, we're not taught, we're not, uh, you know, if a child is tuned into energy and, and, and what's going on beyond their five senses, uh, oftentimes they're told, oh, that's just your imagination. Yeah, you or... know,
2: we're, we're going to have to pick up with this on the other side of the break, and it's a really great point, so I do want to. Oh, Janine and I will return to our discussion after this short break. We're coming to you through the land of leading-edge paranormal broadcasting, the X-Zone Broadcast Network. Don't miss the other fine shows and hosts on xzbn.net. You're listening to The Science of Magic, the thescienceofmagic.net. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. We will be back, so don't you go away.
5: Relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best selling book, Secret to Everything at No Cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash X Zone. That's right, transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash X Zone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free.
2: Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. I'm your host Gilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is healer, holistic coach, craniosacral therapist, and the author of Alchemy of Self Healing, Janine Weist. Janine, we were just talking about how we can create things in our imagination, and we're, that's invalidated from early on. And doesn't that create our? Excuse me. Doesn't that cripple our ability to create?
4: Well, it can, but the beautiful part is that it's there at at any moment that you choose to include it in your life. So it's not like, oh, there's this big, huge learning curve. Uh, It's just there, and that's why I named, I called the book The Alchemy of Self-Healing because alchemy is turning something ordinary into something extraordinary, right? And the fact is, you can take what you deem ordinary and absolutely shift it in a moment's notice. That goes along the lines of what you were talking about when you were talking about spontaneous remission. So, um, you know, I found a woman from Australia. An attorney just sent me something about my book uh, yesterday, and I actually thought... I'd read it to you because it kind of explains what I think a lot of people go through. Um, She actually got my book in the library in Sydney, and she said, I loved the sensory tasks and noticing things like man-made technology in nature, nature in suburbia. I loved the superhero and goddess questions, and I enjoyed working with Transformation Circle. I realized, and this is the important part, or the interesting part, I think, for listeners. She says, I realized how much I struggle and fight against everything in my life, which is really fighting against life itself, isn't it? I had a massive ongoing pain behind my right shoulder blade for months. It might even have been years, which I previously thought was just for my desk job and carrying around kids. But a more in-depth treatment and look at my body revealed that my right shoulder is tired from holding up my sword, so to speak, constantly in battle or prepared for battle. So I think a lot of people are in that situation where they're armed for something, you know, waiting for another foot to fall, waiting for something negative to happen, and they need to feel armored, When actually the healing and the strength will come from exactly the opposite, from laying down the
5: sword.
2: Hmm, So true. So tell us about trauma and memory being stored in ourselves. I think that's very fascinating. I've certainly seen evidence of it. Uh, What do you know about that?
4: Uh, Well, I see that in my practice every day. uh, People will come in with this story. Oftentimes it isn't even theirs, oftentimes it's an ancestral story. For example, um, my on my mother's side, uh, they were a uh, French Irish potato farmers. Okay, so I grew up with hearing the family mantra on that side: Janine, life is beautiful, but it isn't easy. Okay, so that's kind of it. It might sound r- sort of benign. I mean, there are worse family mantras that I've heard, but in somehow in my body. I I, when I have a choice in life to take the easy way or the hard way, historically I'll take the hard way just just because of that. It's been encoded in my DNA in a way that the hard way is either the virtuous way or, you know, they would say the only way. And so in order to break free from that, first you have to become aware of it but you have to become aware of it, not on, on a mental level, but on a visceral, cellular level. So when you do that, then you, then you have developed a spaciousness, and you can actually create a, a new outcome or a new mantra for your own family, starting with you and moving forward rather than dragging the past with you
2: i find I find it interesting that we know that we have neurological pathways the the burnt rut the 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 path most often traveled, and um this certainly lodges in there. The things that we hear as we're growing up become these neurological pathways that dictate our thought process. but how that stores in in the cellular structure and in the DNA what are the scientific principles behind that
4: energy trapped so in other words, everything is energy. Energy cannot be created or destroyed, but it can be transmuted. It can be transformed. So that's what we're looking to do. So if you have trauma entering entering your body, there are only three choices of what it can do. If you're the Dalai Lama, you know, it can just pass right through you with, without a, a missing a beat. Um if you're lucky or you've done work on yourself, you can feel the trauma for the moment and then let it go, uh, which is highly desirable to get to that state. Um, or or the energy will get lodged in your body in the weaker part, in a weaker part of your body, sort of literally whatever your Achilles heel might be. Uh, in, the, in the little uh, piece that I read from the woman in Australia who was... Uh, Thanking me for my book. It's her shoulder, it's her right shoulder. Everything goes right there.
2: So, so are trauma- there are there any scientific studies on this? Do you have any um, case studies that that we can kind of uh, explain here?
4: Well, there are case studies and if anybody wants to delve into that, um, I would send them to the upledger uh, upledger. com uh, and actually right now, um, here, there's, they're about to have Ricky Williams, the uh, football quarterback. I believe he was a quarterback, but thats just, I, I don't know that much about football. But he's a pretty famous sports figure, and he had a, con- a huge concussion. And they've been doing concussion studies. Um, and actually, he's going to be on the uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's Apprentice television show. So... There, they will be, in the, and he's, he's playing for the Upledger Institute, so there will be a wider uh, awareness of those studies and the work and how it actually works with, uh, you know, something as severe and life-changing as a concussion.
2: Right. Um, now, um, I'm... I'm a preceptor for the University of Colorado School of Medicine, and I teach medical doctors about the interface between shamanism and allopathic medicine. Does uh, Sacral cranial has been around quite a while. Is there an interface going on with the medical community, and how is it being received?
4: Uh, Well, it's being received better because it's becoming a little more popularized, but they're asking for, you know, it was Dr. Andrew Still uh, back in... I think, like, 1885, who said that the body makes its own medicine, and he was uh, a highly regarded physician. And that is could be perceived as the basis of this work, the body makes its own medicine. And then there's Dr. William Sutherland, who talked about being a dreamer and how if you believe it, you know, and and give yourself the, the uh, opportunity and do the trials and release yourself from the facts of any given moment, uh, something can shift and change that you could never have imagined. Right. And then, if, you know, and then of course, John Upledger said, if you're not uh, smart enough to know that it can't be done, you might be able to do it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> now, so, now, there's an interesting um, quote.
4: Yeah, and and I think that, I guess, um, you know, I don't have medical journals to cite to you because that usually when people come to me, they've been let down by the medical community. Um, So they're looking for something different, and my telling them how many studies uh, there are when they're staring at me in pain is not going to affect them uh directly they
2: i'm finding i i i under, yeah i understand that but i'm also finding that boy we're coming into a time when we really need to find common ground and cooperate with all the systems out there because i think oh, it absolutely. takes i think it takes all of us
4: absolutely yeah. i i agree and i think that uh people are are opening up into what they're calling integrative medical centers now and that's a wonderful thing and it's a great uh instead of, says, instead of saying that what we do is alternative, they're calling it integrative. And I think that that is a huge step. I know there's a hospital uh, here in California, uh, a, a Kaiser Permanente Hospital, which is a huge chain. And they have integrative medicine.
2: Yeah, thank and goodness have, for it. Thank goodness so, for it.
4: The thing is you make small inroads, for example, if you work in sports medicine, um, you know, like I mentioned Ricky Williams, uh, that is an area where they're really looking for ways to be able to do something quickly on a field when there's an accident, Uh, and, and this is perfect work for that. So if it becomes known for healing a headache or healing a sports injury, I figure let's just take that, you know, let's. Let's take the the uh and slowly slowly grow from there.
2: How long do one of your sessions typically take, and how much do they cost?
4: Oh well um th- that's interesting uh let's see about an hour to an hour fifteen at first session is usually an hour and a half because to me the session starts when the person walks in the door uh they' Cranial rhythm is usually pretty amped up because they're either in pain or they're nervous or they're wondering what this unusual uh, therapy is going to be asking them to do, and the answer is not much. (laughs) Just lie there and be present. Um, And sessions run between $150 and $200, uh, and uh, I have a sliding scale for seniors.
2: What, um, how many sessions can a person ex- um, ex- typically expect to affect the change?
4: Well, this is an interesting question because, you see, uh, everyone. this is not a one-size-fits-all therapy. So someone could come in conceivably in one session, and I've seen it, and have huge results, and I don't see them for six months. Other people, uh, I I would say on an average between four to six sessions are what you should allow to see changes. Because you see in this work we honor resistance, which is very unusual. Um, I believe that honoring resistance is key. Because as you said, you need to work with everything out there. You also need to work with everything in there, inside yourself. And resistance is often a part of it.
2: Well, resistance is not futile. <laughs> We're going to have to take another break. Janine and I will be back shortly. You're listening to The Science of Magic, thescienceofmagic.net, the place where altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric create common ground for the betterment of our world. We're brought to you by the leader in paranormal, spirituality, and alternative health programming, the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net.
5: Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? Well, then, meet Dr. Kimberly McGeorge and her cutting edge breakthrough knowledge that combines science with possibility. Dr. Kimberly brings real life answers and healing to those open to alternative solutions. She teaches solution-based programs and classes that will change all areas of your life forever. Specializing in conscious creation, intuitive readings, and energy medicine, you can rapidly shift health, relationships, business, and money and abundance challenges quickly. Receive her best-selling book, Secret to Everything, at no cost by going to secrettoeverything.com forward slash xzone. That's That's right. Transformation can start now. Just go to secrettoeverything.com forward slash X zone and receive Dr. Kimberly's book for free.
1: GeneX provides 36 questions for the Select Committee on Benghazi to validate if Americans are justified to mistrust President Obama and Hillary Clinton. An overview of Obama, Islam, and Benghazi is presented on the website www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. You're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net.
2: Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is healer, holistic coach, and craniosacral therapist, the author of The Alchemy of Self-Healing, Janine Weiss. Janine, let's talk about stories. Um, In my intro, I talked about how stories are frequencies, and then the frequencies gets trapped in our body, and then we have to live by those until we shift that. Would you speak to that a little bit?
4: Sure. Well, they can be shame stories. They can be Uh, I'm not uh, for women. A lot of times it's I'm not enough stories. Um, There's a really great, great quote from the writer Barry Lopez. And he says, everything is held together with stories. That is all that is holding us together. Stories and compassion. Isn't that terrific?
2: That's beautifully stated. Yeah. And it's very shamanic in nature. They believe that we tell the stories that create reality.
4: Well, but we do, and and they also believe that time is happening all at once. So, in other words, for example, if you're ill, you can go back in time to some time when you were not ill and fully, quote-unquote, embody that and kind of remind your body of wholeness. Uh, And conversely, you can also do a future self-vision quest, which I do with people over the phone often, where you go ahead in the future to the part of you that's already done what it is that you're longing to manifest. And so you can come back with tips and shortcuts for how to uh, move forward with that. So I think when you talk about stories, there are old stories that are trapped in your body that oftentimes you would like to release by releasing that energy, which is very purely scientific, and then there's the more more fantastical magical stuff uh, It's why I love the title of your radio show The whole idea of blending um, and so you can blend and create a story, and you know it's different than a uh, than saying an affirmation. I'd like to make that point. I think affirmations are uh, sometimes. Do more harm than good. If they work, great. But I know so many people who say, "I am happy. I am whole. I am complete. I am happy. I am whole. I am complete." And they get so frantic about it, and then they feel even worse when it's not working, um, because again, they've layered it on top of some old uh, cellular story that's operating at a much deeper uh, level and much loud, much more loudly than uh, a, a flimsy affirmation.
2: I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I think affirmations are very, very powerful and profound, but they have to come in the proper order in healing. In other words, you've got to get rid of the old messaging, and then if you use the affirmation, it can help reprogram and to integrate. Is that what you're talking about?
4: Exactly, exactly. You can't just layer it. It's like having a, uh, a crummy foundation and just laying something on top of it and expecting it to take. It doesn't work that way.
2: It just doesn't work so you that do way.
4: Their, right? I mean, there is some excavation that needs to be done, but it doesn't have to be painful. Sometimes people will say, oh, I don't want to dredge up all that old stuff. But it's not like dredging. You don't have to go blow by blow remembering every single thing. You can just go back gently, really gently. That's why this is uh, such elegant work. and And suggest and and inquire what does the body need to let go of in order to fill in the blank whatever you're looking to do.
2: Our guest this hour is healer, holistic coach, cranial psychotherapist, and the author of Alchemy of Self-Healing, Janine West. Uh, Her services and other goodies can be found on her website, alchemyofselfhealing.com. Uh, Janine, uh, something that's kind of confusing for me is, uh, I'm sure for our listeners, in one sense we're saying, okay, this is stored in our DNA, and the other we're saying, well, if we rewrite the story, we can change it. Could you fill me in on that?
4: Sure. Um, again, this is when, this is really speaking more to the order of things. Um, there are different ways to address a problem or a uh, challenge and so for some people it will be ancestral which would be the stored in the DNA part and for other people not so first you would address so if it came up in the work that there was an old story that was like, like my potato farmer lineage of life is beautiful but it's not easy therefore what i heard as a child is it's better to take the hard road better to make things difficult if rather than easy that's something that was coded in my dna so when i when that came to me i need to work with that before i can successfully change something and just rewrite a new story right if i were to try to rewrite that Story before addressing uh, what I became aware of with the Ancestral Potato Farmer story, then I wouldn't have the results. I'd be basically like a chicken with its head cut off just running around in circles. So there's, it's two parts. Um, the thing is that when you do this work, you might it, it's a little messy. You might not get the ancestral piece first you might be working on some other things. We might just re- be releasing physical restrictions, right? So you have this opportunity though when something comes up to realize okay, where in the piece does, where in the pie does this fit? That's why when I was talking earlier about mandalas and how I'm so fascinated about how I see mandalas in everything, this is an example where I would say okay, in my healing mandala for example uh until i get that ancestral piece i'll be doing work in other areas but once i get that uh i think it's it behooves me to work with that does that did does that explain it a little bit more it's more well, about it's, the order
2: of things i i think I think the, the, what we're looking at here is we're kind of taught that DNA is set in stone and that it's passed down from our ancestors and you don't change it. You might have to be aware of it, work around what you might be set up for, as in other words, genetically to illness or something, but that it's set in stone. And yet what you're saying is that, and I'm not saying it's set in stone, but I'm saying that's the view. What you're saying is that it can be changed. So how do we reconcile those two?
4: Um. Well, I'm not, I'm not sure we need to reconcile it. I, I'm, I mean, if you, if you would like to change, if I wanted to, first of all, you have to recognize what the old story is, what the old ancestral piece is. So, for example, sometimes for me, just recognizing the potato farmer piece was a huge weight off my shoulders. It opened up and gave me a spaciousness that I didn't have before. Um, how I would move forward with that, I, so that's, I guess, what I'm, I'm not sure why you would need to reconcile it, unless you have such a strongly held belief that you can't change things, in which case you're doomed to repeat whatever the history is, as we know.
2: So it's not so much changing the DNA as recognizing what the programming is and choosing not to participate?
4: Well, it's changing your relationship to it, which is everything. I think that's that's what life is, right? It's changing the really your relationship to it. So if you change your relationship to it, therefore this means X. Maybe that's not true. Gee, that opens up the possibility then that there could be another way around a, a situation or a illness or or a challenge.
2: How would, you tell our, how, how would you tell our listeners, what's a really good way to start recognizing uh, when we're living out of a story that we may or may not want to be living out of?
4: When you, are, when you have knee-jerk reactions, when you have knee-jerk reactions that are, base, that, are, that are baseless, if you start yelling, if you yell at somebody for no reason, or you find yourself angry in a situation where nothing really has happened outwardly to uh, impact you, then you know that there's some old story in operation uh, that is running your show.
2: So in other words, you're not responding the way you would choose to?
4: Well, a knee-jerk reaction is oftentimes something where something happens and you go, whoa, why did I say that? Or... I just chewed that person out. Why did I do that? You know, and that's a knee-jerk reaction, a knee-jerk response. Something is in operation that you didn't choose to say to somebody. It just sort of fell out of your mouth, so to speak. I
2: know, I know sometimes when I was bringing my kids up, I'd just knee-jerk reaction, as you say, or be triggered into saying something. You weren't going to be happy until you spilt your milk. And then I went, I think I'm channeling my mother. Is that the sort of thing you're talking about?
4: It is, it is. And there's also, uh, when you say spilled your milk, um, when you think about somebody saying don't spill your milk, think about the little kid and how they feel. They're kind of stuck. They're being told not to do something which you can't really. You know,
2: time flies, and we're going to have to go with spilt milk because we're out of time. Our guest this okay. hour has been here, healer, holistic coach, craniosacral therapist, and the author of The Alchemy of Self-Healing, Jeanine Weis. Her website, alchemy for selfhealingcom This has been The Science of Magic. Remember, you can always listen to past thought-provoking episodes on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and comfort with love as you re-enter your true design.